Smith will keep it. He dies for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. Caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. <laughs> It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. Hey, that was a good start. Hey, that was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. And a good Monday to you. Welcome aboard. T.C. Martin Show here on a marvelous Monday. Is it so marvelous if you're a Raider fan? Oh, no. We got plenty to hit on with that. Raiders destroyed by the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday. Raiders embarrassed 48-9. Humiliating. Demoralizing. Can I say embarrassing again? How many times can I say Embarrassing, because that's exactly what it was. So we'll dive into that. We'll play some audio. You'll hear from Derek Carr. You'll hear from Rich Basaccia, the interim head coach. And the Raiders now fall further behind the Kansas City Chiefs, being swept by them this year. We'll dive into all that, give you our thoughts, play some audio, that and a whole lot more. Matt Holt will join us next hour. We'll get his thoughts regarding the Raiders as well as the entire NFL board where the favorites came through big time over the weekend. Favorites in the over. How do you think the books did this past weekend? Books got crushed. And we know, never feel sorry for the sports books, right? (laughs) Actually, it was the, the biggest loss of the year for the sports books. And that happens. Anytime favorites and overs cash in, At a big-time rate, boom, you know what that means. The public is winning, and that's exactly what happened yesterday as the favorites came cashing in yesterday. 10-2 and against the spread were the favorites. Overs, 8-3-1. Las Vegas Sportsbooks lost millions of dollars. One of the worst days of an NFL season in recent memories. So we'll dive all into that with our our good friend, Matthew Holt. All right, Tim Bradley's going to join us next hour as well, too. Love talking to Tim. Tim was on the call Saturday night at Madison Square Garden for Vasily Lomachenko as he dominated, destroyed Richard Comey. Basically pitched a shutout. Pitched a shutout on two of the three judges' scorecards. Yes, Lomo's back. You remember, you saw Lomachenko here in Las Vegas at the Virgin during the summertime. We had giveaway tickets for that show. Uh, yeah, Lomo's back after he beat Nakatani, which was a big fight. And uh, against Richard Comey, that was a big fight Saturday night at Madison Square Garden. So we'll talk to our good friend, the former five-time world champion, Timothy Bradley Jr. He will uh, he will join us as well, too. Uh, Al Bernstein uh, was also on a on the call for Showtime on another fight in Carson, California, with our good friend Nanito Donaire, who retained his Bantamweight championships at the age of 39. So it was a big boxing weekend. So you had from coast to coast. You had Showtime with in Carson, California. Al Bernstein was on the call with that, with Nonito Donaire, Las Vegas' very own. Nonito's lived in Las Vegas for quite some time now. Used to be trained by our good friend Kenny Adams. So, love Nonito. Just a class act. Great guy. You may have seen some of the video from Nonito uh, during the week of this press conference when he was trying to help his opponent translate. And uh, the moment Nonito Donaire knocked him out with a vicious body shot with the left hook in round number four, Saturday night, uh, Nonito went right over um, to his opponent and, and was trying to help him out. And he was a fellow Filipino. So... Just a great guy. So Al Bernstein was scheduled to join us today. We're going to push Al back to uh, tomorrow 
Uh, we've got Tim Bradley today, Al tomorrow. Al's got a little bit of an emergency that just uh, came up, so uh, we'll save Al for tomorrow, and uh, that way we'll do Tim Bradley today. So we've got boxing to talk about today and tomorrow on the show. All right, so let's talk about the Raiders. Plain and simple. That's what we got hit on because that is definitely the news. Like I said, two teams going in total opposite directions. We're talking about the Raiders and the Chiefs. And you ask, what happened to the Raiders? Well, it was expected, wasn't it? We actually knew that this was going to happen because we talked about it. This team is just not very good right now. They're not good, period. And you could say what you want that, yeah, they've played some opponents tough. Yes, you can make excuses. John Gruden lost their coach in the middle of the season. Henry Ruggs' situation had a lot to do with this team. But the bottom line is they're just not very good. This is a team that has marginal talent. They have tons of injuries right now. But what NFL team does not have injuries right now? The Raiders, half of their defensive, uh, you know, defensive starters are on the shelf. Uh, they got offensive woes, as we know as well. They can't run the football. That's not because of injuries. Uh, aside from Darren Waller, who missed another game yesterday, you know, Waller's uh, been out. So you lose one of the better tight ends. But the bottom line is you still got Derek Carr. He's got to make better decisions. Uh, they're, they're not opening up the playbook whatsoever. Carr's not looking downfield. Whether that's Greg Olson, whether, whether it's Carr, Rich Basacci, of course, we know he, he's just a, a, a manager at this point in time, being an interim head coach. Bottom line is this, as that Rich Basaccia is just delegating authority. And we said that from the beginning. He's delegating uh, the defensive uh, authority to Gus Bradley. And then the offensive side, it's Greg Olson. Greg Olson is calling the plays. Greg Olson is, is running the practices every day. And it, it, it shows how this team is just a mess right now. 48-9, to the final score yesterday. 48-9. to Now, let's go back. To how this game started. Okay. And I'm not talking about the opening kickoff. We'll get to that in a minute. But the Raiders come out and do their pregame warm ups yesterday, like every team does. You're going out there 45 minutes before kickoff, and, and you're out there and you're, and you're working out as a team. Uh, you're going through, you know, going through your routine. And then, you know, 20 minutes before kickoff, you take it inside, and uh, the Raiders gather. Uh, at the 25-yard line to huddle up like all teams do. Now, most teams just gather in front of the end zone, you know, closest to where the entry is uh, to the locker room. And the Raiders got together on the 25-yard line. And uh, it was Ngakwe who said, hey, come on, guys, let's gather up. Let's march over to the 50-yard line. Let's go over to the Kansas City Chiefs logo. Let's go to that Arrowhead logo at the 50-yard line, and let's gather there. And some of the Raiders were making gestures. You know, we didn't see the full-fledged stomping and that sort of thing. Uh, That could have been going on. But the bottom line was, Kansas City Chiefs fans, we're in the building. Again, this is, you know, a half hour before kickoff, and uh, they're gathering on the logo making gestures, trying to get themselves pumped up, fired up, getting ready to go, and not a good look at all. So the Chiefs players saw this. Obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs fans saw this at Arrowhead Stadium. It didn't go over well. Raiders jumped up and down, looked like a bunch of buffoons, go into the locker room, and uh, and get themselves all fired up. Yes, hands in the air, jumping up and down, and Ngakwe is leading them all to the Arrowhead at the 50-yard line. Like a bunch of juveniles, like a bunch of high school kids. That's it. Maybe remnants of what we've seen with Ohio State and a couple other college teams that do this. But this is very high schoolish, amateurish, juvenile, no question about it. And the Chiefs didn't wait long to pay him back. Now, got to remember, this is on the heels of what transpired last year. After the Raiders upset the Chiefs at Arrowhead as a big underdog, not many fans were allowed in the stadium, if you remember, because it was COVID time. And after the, the Raiders pulled the upset where they played their best game of the season last year, John Gruden, they get all the, everyone on the bus, and they're, they're ready to you know head back to the airport, and Gruden tells the bus driver, says, hey, take a victory lap. 
So they take a victory lap, rolling around, honking the horn, doing all kinds of other nonsense around the parking lot, while Chiefs fans are still in the parking lot, still you know doing the after-game tailgate. So people got word of that. That went viral. Television stations got a hold of it. It was, it was a national story. So obviously, Chiefs didn't think too kind of that. And we know what happened after that. You know, Raiders started off 6-2 and two last year, right? Went in the tank like they traditionally do in November and December. And here we go. It's happening again. Kansas City comes to Allegiant Stadium this year and blasts the Raiders 41-14. to Part of that was because of, of what happened last year. Chiefs wanted to send a message, and this is their heated rival. Chiefs remembered this. Patrick Mahomes talked about it. Andy Reid talked about it. So this was going to be a story the first time the Raiders are coming back to Arrowhead Stadium with 70,000-plus, predominantly, of course, Chiefs fans. And the Chiefs are playing very good football right now. Well, 41-14, going back, what, four or five weeks ago. And then now they go to Arrowhead, and what happens? 48-9, to your final score. In these two meetings between the Chiefs and the Raiders this season, Kansas City has outscored Las Vegas 89-23. to There's no other divisional rivalry, not only in the AFC West or any other division, that you've had two lopsided scores like this. Two pummelings, two embarrassing performances by one team getting drilled. 41-14 on your home field, 48-9, Yesterday, and it didn't take long for the Raiders to fall in a hole. Raiders got the kickoff. Their very first play that they run yesterday is this. They talk about it all the time. They get their damage done when Derek Carr is at his best, pushing the ball downfield. They had no offensive rhythm to start the game last week against Washington. Here's Jacobs trying to loop to the outside. Slammed down. Kansas City's got the ball. Touchdown. The recovery by Mike Hughes. The fumble with the recovery by Kansas City for a touchdown. Eight seconds into the game, Josh Jacobs, strip sack, fumble. Mike Hughes picks it up, rumbles 23 yards, boom, like that, 7 nothing. And guess what? Game over. Game over right then and there. Chiefs are fired up. They're ready to go. The Raiders... Can't even hang on to the football. And this is a sign of things to come for the rest of the day. All right? Then, a couple series later, the Chiefs get on the board again in the first quarter. The blue Mahomes. Perfectly executed. Williams down the sideline, leaping. Touchdown, Kansas City. 23 yards. 23-yard touchdown pass. That goes from Mahomes to Williams, and now it's 14-0 end of the first quarter. We go to the second quarter, more Chiefs, more of the same, and this time the running game is getting on track with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And outside of it, less. Catch it. Looking to go wide, and Edwards-Hilaire. Touchdown! A terrific move. Littleton and Hayward could not get to him. 17 minutes into this game, it's 21-0 Kansas City. Next possession, Kansas City strikes again. Patrick Mahomes going to the air. Inches away. Toss it inside. Josh Gordon. Touchdown, Chiefs. Oh, yeah. Josh Gordon. Remember him? Josh Gordon, suspension after suspension after suspension. And the Chiefs say, okay, we'll take a shot with you. Let's get him involved. The game was already over. And to see the lineup where where the Chiefs did, basically it was like a wide receiver screen from the one-yard line. It was flag football. It was just a little pass, basically in the backfield, the line of scrimmage. And Josh Gordon walked into the end zone. So he gets a touchdown as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. 28 to nothing. Oh, and guess what? The Chiefs were not done, and it was still the first half. On the lower portion of his body, Pringle, Hardman. Shotgun give. Edwards Elaire redirects and plows in. Impressive touchdown, Kansas City. 
Another six-yard touchdown from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, his second uh, of the day at that point in time, and that was it. 35 nothing at halftime. 35 nothing. How are the Raiders feeling now? Now think about that. An hour and a half earlier, they're jumping on the 50-yard line, stomping on the Chiefs logo, trying to get pumped up. What does Kansas City do? Just take the ball away when they have the ball in offense, running it and shoving it right down the Raiders' throat. This is embarrassing to happen in the 14th week of the season against your heated divisional rival that you must win if you have any hope of going to the playoffs. That was a joke, right? 35 nothing, And the Chiefs added some more. Final score, 48-9. to Turnovers were a big part of this game yesterday. All right? Uh, Derek Carr uh, threw an interception. Uh, the Raiders had four fumbles, four lost fumbles, a total of five turnovers in this game. Sees Nolo again, rallying the troops. They're playing awfully well. Third and four. Can the Raiders convert? They can. Hunter Renfro, and then he loses the ball. The Chiefs have it. This is a complete unraveling by the Raiders in the first half. That was towards the end of, of the first half when Carr completed the pass to Renfro. Nice pass. Renfro got loose. Uh, looked like he was going to pick up maybe 15, 20 yards on this pass play. And the ball got, uh, got punched out. And who else? Tyrone Matthew is there, who's been phenomenal uh, since coming over from uh, Arizona. And... Uh, he, he, he's now doing fantastic things with the Chiefs. Got on that. Uh, that is one of the five turnovers. Oh, and there was more after this. Carr on second and three. Hits the tight end. And he gives it away. Moreau loses the ball to Matthew. And another greater turnover. That was Foster Moreau giving it up. Josh Jacobs on the first play of the game. Hunter Renfro. Three guys that you expect better from. Three of your better offensive players. And you could basically say, they're your three best offensive players right now with Darren Waller being out. And they can't hang on to the ball. Carrying around like a loaf of bread, getting punched out, and the Chiefs pouncing on it. Five turnovers, four fumbles, one interception. You're not going to win football games like that. And it wasn't that the Chiefs looked fantastic yesterday. Mahomes... Was was very good, especially completing a high percentage of passes. He was 20 for 24, 258 yards, two touchdown passes, had a QBR yesterday of 139.2, did not turn the ball over at all. And, and as far as Derek Carr goes, I mean, Carr was 33 for 45. He was fairly accurate, had the one interception, had the touchdown that he had, 263 yards. But again... It's not like Kansas City just blew you away from a yard standpoint. They had a total of 372 yards. 240 through the air, 132 on the ground. They thoroughly dominated. But the Chiefs' defense, that was the story. The Chiefs' defense has been the story for this rejuvenation from Kansas City who have now won six games in a row. Their defense came up big time yesterday. All right, And they have been big time. And they were much maligned defense, too. A team that was playing nothing like this in the first six weeks of the season. But, man, have they put it together. We know how Kansas City plays after their bye week. Andy Reid, familiar with all that. And we know that when the calendar flips into December, Kansas City is going to turn into another gear and get ready for playoff football. And they showed it yesterday. They wanted to beat the Raiders yesterday. They wanted to pummel the Raiders. They wanted to humiliate the Raiders. And that's exactly what they did. But did you see how Kansas City did it? They did it with class. They did it with finesse. All right? Not a whole bunch of power football yesterday, but just being smart. All right? Not a whole bunch of crushing hits on on the defense. Punching the ball out and the Raiders basically being lifeless. Looking listless. And when you come to this point of the season and you are not ready to play football, and I know that that's, that's a bad cliche sometimes, and I, I don't like going there, but this is what our eyes saw, right? 
We saw this. We saw the, the Raiders were not ready to play. You could say the exact same thing last week at home at Allegiant Stadium against Washington, team that you're favored to beat. And you saw what Washington did yesterday. They were terrible yesterday. They got drilled by the Dallas Cowboys. That final score, 27-20, was really not indicative of how dominating a performance that the Dallas Cowboys were. Now, sure, Washington had tons of injuries. They had people on COVID. They had uh, last-minute, or I should say, you know, within 24 hours, they, they lost a couple big-time defensive players. But they came in, and they took it to the Raiders last week. The Kansas City Chiefs took it to the Raiders in every facet of the game. Offense, defense, special teams yesterday. The Raiders have now lost two in a row. They lost five of the last six. And this is what I'm talking about. Not showing up to play, looking lethargic. We've talked about it the last few weeks, especially if you're at a Legion Stadium and you look down at that sideline and you see that these guys are not rallying with each other. And Derek Carr, Rich Bisaccia, and everyone else could say, hey, we got each other's back. But you could just see it. If you watch this team on the sidelines, the slow starts week after week, doesn't matter, home or away, it's just not there. And people are scratching their heads. I don't get it. I don't understand. What's wrong with this team? You know, in Raider Nation, we know how strong they are. We know how passionate they are. But even to hear fans today saying, well, we're still, you know, we're still supporting the Shield. You know, maybe we can get him against this Cleveland. That's great. But the bottom line is this team stinks. Yes, you can, they have tons of injuries, but go look at the NFL injury report, all right? Go to your favorite website. Go to Don Best. It's a great one. You'll see at least 10 to 12 names on every NFL team's injury report. But you know what? Chiefs are banged up too, but they showed up. A lot of teams showed up. Dallas Cowboys, they got some guys back from injury, but they show up. Unbelievable. Two in a row, lost five of the last six. But here's the discouraging part, which I talked a lot about last week, and even the week before. You lost to the New York Giants on the road. You lose at home to Cincinnati. Team you're favored to beat, you should have beat. The Washington football team, same thing last week. And then you get blasted by the Kansas City Chiefs, your divisional rival, not once but twice, outscored 89-23 to in those two games. Inexcusable. Here's Rich Bisaccia talking about the disappointment. Obviously, you know, I don't know if I have a lot of words for it. It was, it was uh, bad in, in, in all phases. You had no chance of winning a football game. You turn it over five times. And I think the last turnover going down on our last drive is probably Michael Cousin, what the whole game looked like. You know, we got the ball to, um, we think, are good players early in the game. And, and um, we had some fumbles, you know, started off in the first play of the game. Obviously, with a fumble, then um, as the game went on, we, we started to miss more and more tackles, and we had more drop passes, and, and um, we had penalties on third down again on defense and gave up some explosive plays and struggled to protect the quarterback, struggled to run the football, and then on top of all that, you know, miss a PAT. And, um, you know, right before the half, I wanted to kick a field goal there if, if we got in that situation where we could at least come out of the half with some points, give us some hope, we can come back, start the second half, maybe get a stop, go down and, and um, get a score, and then try to play the game from there one um, one drive at a time. So um, I told the coaches and the players in there that we have to look at ourselves as coaches. Players have to look at themselves as players, and then we'll make some adjustments on a short week as we get ready to go to Cleveland. All right, Rich Passaccia talking about the disappointment, and really – we're kind of tired of hearing these uh, post-game press conferences where you don't really have the answers, don't know what it is. And you're going to hear the same rhetoric from him and Derek Carr about, well, we practiced well, we did all that. Bottom line is nobody cares. Plain and simple, you're paid to win football games. Derek Carr talks about it each and every week. We're professional football players. We are paid to win football games. Here's Rich Passaccia talking about the mood of the team after the game and on the way back home. Yeah, well, the mood right now is not very good, obviously. You know, they're sort of talking amongst themselves, but that's exactly what I told them. I told them that these kind of games will bring out the best and worst in all of us, and it'll be easy to see which one comes out, right? I told the coaches and in front of the players that we need to look at ourselves as coaches, and they need to look at themselves as players. And uh, we'll have conversations going into the week and be ready to play the next game in Cleveland. All right. 
Rich Passaccia talking about the preparation for this team. Uh, was it a bad week of practice? No, I'd love to tell you that'd be a great excuse if I said, boy, we had a really bad week of practice and I saw this coming. So uh, I can't say that. I thought we had a good week of practice. I thought we had really good Thursday's practice. And, um, and I, I didn't see this coming. I didn't see the turnovers by good players. You know, So when that happens to you, kind of your, um, your expectations start getting, well, oh, geez, what's going to happen next? And I think you saw that. It was a little bit of a snowball effect throughout the whole game. And, again, to have one on the end like that, the last drive, you look back and go, ah, that's kind of what the whole game looked like. So give up the big run you know, on defense. That's a little uncharacteristic of us. You know, we kind of preach, um, play to the bitter end. And, and uh, again, I didn't think um, it, it looked like that from my standpoint at this particular time. I don't know if that's uncharacteristic or not. I mean, in, in these losses, you, you're, you're seeing guys be really, really sloppy. I mean, you're seeing the arm tackling. Uh, uncharacteristic, this is a bad football team. And we know for a long time it's been a bad defensive football team. And it's showing on both sides of the ball. Remember, we've been talking about the last few weeks, and Carr was asked that himself, saying, you know, is this, is this one of these things where, you know, guys are going to check out because he's seen it. The guys have checked out. They haven't worked as hard. Uh, they weren't showing up, uh, you know, as early, you know, in December, in past Decembers. Now that you, you have these losses, the way they're piling up, and you have the games, like I mentioned, Losing to the Giants, losing to Cincinnati, losing to Washington, and now losing badly to your divisional rival. I mean, the Raiders, they're, they're not stupid. I mean, they can look at the standings. They can see all the teams that are ahead of them. There's no shot for the playoffs. There's no shot for the playoffs whatsoever. Basaccia talking about the bad start because, again, a slow start for the Raiders. This game could not have started off in a worse way. First play, fumble. Scoop, score, seven nothing. Well, you know, I, I would like to think we're prepared for adversity. You know, it's going to happen somewhere in the course of a game. Now, if it happens early, you know, you just got to rebound and get going. And, and the first play of the game, we're down seven nothing. Mahomes hasn't even hit the field yet. So, and then after that, the you know the kickoff return kind of hung up in the air and it gets bounced off his hands and goes out of bounds. I think at the eleven. And so now we're playing from behind the eight ball a little bit. And, and um, so, yeah, I think you'd like to think you can prepare your team for adversity when it shows up. You'd rather not show up on the first drive. But if it does, respond. Right? How are we going to respond? And I just didn't think we responded well the whole day. All right. Finally, Rich Passaccia talking about jobs on the line here. Players you know, we're and all, himself. We're all professional play, coaches and players, and I think we're all being evaluated by our performance on the field and our actions off the field. So um, number one job of pro players is to protect this job. Number one way to protect your job is your performance on the field. And so we'll see what practice looks like this week. We'll take a look at what our personnel is for us. We'll uh, dig deep into what we did as coaches and have a chance to respond uh, come tomorrow and move on to Cleveland. All right, there is uh, Rich Passaccia. Again, uh, he's calm, he's cool, but he really doesn't know what to say. Is he in uncharted territory here? Of course. He's never been a head coach before. Remember, Rich Passaccia started off at 2-0, and but now here come the losses. He doesn't have the answers. And again, I mean, nothing against him, but he's a special teams coordinator. He wasn't, you know, doesn't have head coaching experience. And again, he's letting Gus Bradley manage the defense, coach the defense. He's letting Greg Olson coach, call the plays on offense. He has to stand in front of the podium in front of the media each and every week and just try to answer these questions. And it's tough for him. I understand that. But we're hearing the same thing week in and week out. And, you know, I don't blame him. What more can you expect him to say that, you know, we he wants he wants his team to, to do better to be better, but they don't have the answers right now. And all they can do is work hard and practice. And I don't think practice is 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 the problem here. It's just that they're just not as talented as these other teams, and they're not one of the most talented teams in the NFL, especially with all the injuries they have. Because this is a team when they're healthy, they can be good. That's the ceiling. They can be good, but with injuries. And, and not being able to handle you know, momentum swings, this team is below average. And they've been below average for a long time. Here's the quarterback, Darren Carr, Derek Carr, talking about his feelings after this game. There's a lot of things I'm thinking. Uh, um, but I try my best to you know, stay positive. You know, it sucks, but that's <laughs> what, what other choice do I have? You know, go in the hole and just be depressed with every, you know, everybody? You know? I still got a job to do. And so 
Uh, I'm going to keep working my tail off. I'm going to keep grinding like I do every day. I'm going to give this thing everything that I have um, because it, you know, it deserves that respect. And so I'm going to keep doing that. But I am thinking a lot of things. All right. There he is, uh, Derek Carr, feeling a lot of things uh, and thinking a lot of things right now. Uh, Here's more of Derek Carr talking about how the team is feeling. Uh, Disappointment, you know, uh, definitely disappointed. Um, Got a lot of most of our guys, you know, work really hard and uh, try try our very best, you know, to to put put good stuff on tape and go win football games. And uh, when you come in here, I didn't expect that outcome during the game. Even after the first turnover, the second, you know, I didn't I didn't expect that. You know, I was seeing what they were doing. I felt great about what we were what Ole was calling, and um, we would execute to a certain level. But execution is all the way to the whistle, you know, and we didn't do that. All right, more of Derek Carr talking about uh, how much fight this team has left. You know, Vic, it's hard. Um, you know, obviously, the, I saw it, and I saw some fight in some guys um, that that lets me know I can count on them and trust them. Um, and for the most part, you know, um, I, I feel for the most part also everyone, uh, you know, has each other's back and all that good stuff, and that's. Uh, and those are good signs, honestly. They, I mean, just a fact. It just is. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we get paid to win football games. And so uh, that that resolve and all that kind of stuff is good because it, it shows you who has it. You know, it shows you who, you know, who you can count on when it's tough and when, when, when crap's hard and when football's hard. Uh, for sure, it shows some things, but you can't, like, I don't feel great about it, you know, because that means that we were down. So, um, but it does let me know who I can trust. That's for sure. All right, uh, Derek Carr wrapping things up here, uh, talking about the game yesterday, and you look at the preparation. He really did not expect the outcome, uh, the way this thing snowballed into a forty-eight to nine loss. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't expect this. Um, you know, I don't. I can't speak for everybody, um, but from my point of view. Uh, you know, I didn't expect, I didn't expect it to be like this. You know, and um, you know, again, that uh, that falls on us as players and us as coaches, and uh, that's that's, you know, when, whenever that outcome happens, you got to really you go turn the tape on and see what happened. I mean, it's pretty obviously obvious what happened. You know, from a outside perspective, but why? You know, you know, we're in the business of solving problems and not pointing fingers. You know, Rich is big on. You know, whenever you point one, you got three pointing back at you. So we try our best to solve problems, and uh, you know, I tirelessly work a lot of sleep, you know, sleepless nights, you know, in my office watching film and trying to do better, you know, and like like I should. It's what is expected of me, and hopefully everyone looks at it that way and and does the same thing because I know there's a good majority of our guys that do do those things, but hopefully everybody's doing it. All right, and there's the quarterback, uh, Derek Carr. Again, embarrassing. Disappointing, humiliating performance by the Raiders yesterday in their biggest game of the year, and they don't show up. Their biggest loss of the year. Horrendous. If you got some thoughts, love to hear from you. 702-221-7283. 221-7283. Of course, if you're outside of the Vegas area, the area code 702, uh, give me your thoughts. If you got some feedback from what your eyes saw yesterday and where do the Raiders go from here. Sam Gordon's going to join us on the other side. We'll get uh, his perspective covering the Raiders, of course, for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. We'll hit that when we come back. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, recapping what our eyes saw yesterday. Raiders losing to the Chiefs in an embarrassing fashion, 48-9. to You heard from Rich Passaccia. You heard from Derek Carr. And now we give you our thoughts here. Well, you heard plenty of my thoughts. But let's go to our, my man, Sam Gordon, covering the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Sam, what's going on, brother? 
TC, how you doing? Happy Monday. Appreciate you having me. You got it, brother. Well, I'm very curious of uh, what you got to say, Sam, uh, after witnessing what we witnessed again from the Raiders. You know, we're at Allegiant Stadium. We're watching, uh, you know, the Raiders underperform at home to lesser teams, and we saw it against Cincinnati. We saw it against Washington, and the Raiders know better on the road because there are a lot of people that say, oh, the Raiders are playing better on the road. Uh, You go back to the game against the Giants, horrendous, and now... They go to Kansas City and just get drill-pressed by the Chiefs in an embarrassing fashion, being outscored 89-23 to over the two games against your heated rivals. Uh, you know, Sam, this is, this is getting to be redundant, to, to say the least. Um, let's hear it, man. You got the floor. What did your eyes see yesterday? TC, I saw one of the worst teams in the NFL yesterday. And if you take a look... Clearly, Dallas was an aberration. I don't know what happened or how Dallas let their foot off the gas or let that happen. Maybe a bit of a trap game. I'm not sure, but you take a look at, I mean, this is a team now that's lost five of six, and you look at the offense in those losses, what is it, 16 points or fewer in all of them? Yes, yeah, se- I mean, yeah, 17, anemic- or, 17 or less in, in, uh, in those games, yeah. Just an anemic offense, um, uh, turning the football over, no structure, no sense of organization. It really doesn't feel like they have a plan what's the plan going into these games right what are you trying to do what are you trying to establish it doesn't feel like there's any semblance of a plan especially on the offensive side of the ball and uh and gus bradley's defense once a, a very solid unit earlier in the season uh has reverted to looking like last year's defense i mean last if you would have told me that the unit on the field yesterday was the exact same defense as last year i'd have believed you I mean, the Chiefs took it easy on the Raiders. They were trying to run the clock out in the second half and still scoring long touchdowns. So, uh, this is a, I mean, it's, it's an unmitigated disaster, right? That's, that's what it is, to quote, to quote my, my colleague, Ed Graney, in his column today. <laughs> that's, that's, what this, that's what it was. Yesterday was a total disaster, uh, lifeless offense, uh, sporadic defense, and forget talking about the playoffs. I know they're not mathematically eliminated, but you see the schedule the rest of your TC. Not a playoff team. Nothing you've seen over the last month and a half says playoff team once again same year a different year same story team completely loses its way of course there are a different set of circumstances underlying circumstances that has something to do with that but once again another disastrous season for the Raiders a season with so much promise yesterday was rock bottom yesterday was absolutely rock bottom division game on the road playoff hopes still alive even after all the issues and they come out with an F-minus effort. Um, it was an atrocious performance. It, it, it just was. That's what it was. And, uh, and now the Raiders got to move on and go play the Browns in a cold, snowy game off the shores of Lake Erie. A Browns team also desperate for a victory uh, in, in the playoff race. So it doesn't, it doesn't get any easier. Yeah, Browns aren't the Chiefs, but forget about the playoff CC. This, this was a disastrous performance, and it's been a disastrous month and a half for a team that once led the AFC West. Yeah, I agree. And again, you know, playoffs, as Jim Morris said, playoffs. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, no, playoffs have been you probably really, Sam. You know, out of the question for for quite some time. This isn't a playoff team. Okay, it, it hasn't been a playoff team for twenty years. It's not a playoff team. And use the word atrocious, and that's a good one because I, I didn't use that one. I used embarrassed. I used humiliating. I used demoralizing. Uh, and I think I used embarrassing probably four times. And atrocious is uh, another one. Let's use, let's throw pathetic in there as well too, right? Sure. Because that's sure. exact is exactly you know what what this team is displaying: the slow starts, the bad starts, and again being lifeless. All of it. I mean, it, this is just a bad football team. The way I categorize it, Sam, is you know this is maybe this is a good football team at best when they are completely healthy. All right. But sure. when the, yep. wait, but when you chip away at, at injuries and everybody has them, so there's no there's no excuses for injuries whatsoever. But when you lose guys like Darren Waller, you lose you know you know five or six starters off of your defense that's already pretty putrid. It, it just turns into a below average team, and and this team cannot overcome the adversity either on the field or off the field. And I think we got to put away the stuff about Gruden, the Henry Rugg stuff, because that that that's not apparent right now. I mean, you can make those excuses, but every team has excuses. Every team has injuries. But to show up and really not show up and to get drill-pressed by the team that you have circled on your calendar twice and get outscored 89-23, to 23, that's inexcusable. Absolutely inexcusable. No sense of fight. No sense of desperation from a team that, frankly, needed to win. Uh, There was none of that. And and now, I mean, 
Yeah, we we have to talk about the rest of the season because there's still a few more games left. I understand that, but big picture, TC, like I'm thinking, I'm already thinking about the off season. What's what kind of changes are we going to see? I imagine we're going to see wholesale changes to the coaching staff um, and and possibly the front office as well. I'm curious what's going to happen at quarterback, right? I mean, I, I take a look. I think about a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, DC, or the New Orleans Saints. Derek Carr, with, with a, in a situation like that, with a stable organization, with quality coaching, with 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 uh, organizational stability in the front office and whatnot, those are the two most two of the most stable organizations in the league. Those are nine or ten win football teams. There's a lot of teams around the NFL that can use Derek Carr. I, I don't. I, I think from that standpoint. There's only a handful of quarterbacks in the NFL that can overcome just that, that you just put any, any receivers out there with them, any kind of defense, and they can win 10, 11 games. It's, it's, it's really, really hard to do. I'm not pinning this all on Derek Carr. What I'm saying, was, what I'm saying is, is it time that for maybe the, the, the both, both parties to move on? Derek Carr's 30. He's got a lot of great football left in him. And if he's in the right situation, I, could believe, he, I, could, I believe he could win a ton of games. But he's dealt with a revolving door of coaches, of, of people in the front office, of coordinators. That's what this organization is. That's, it's a revolving door. It has been for years. It has been for a really long time. And it's, it's so essential, especially with where they're at in the Vegas landscape, TC. I wrote about it a little bit on, on, on Sunday, but it's not, it's, 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 the, the, the way that the, the city's not embracing the team like I thought they would, or I, I feel like anybody thought they would. I think the losing has something to do with that, and there are a lot of other complications as well just with, with getting the games and whatnot. But if you don't start winning, uh, I mean, I think you might see detachment pretty early on. There was 5,000 empty seats at the Washington football team game. This is the first year that the, the franchise has fans in Vegas, a, a town that's been clamoring for the NFL for a long time, and you can't pack the stadium for a crucial must-win game in the beginning of December. It, it's so important that whatever Mark Davis decides to do this offseason, he's got to nail it. He has to nail it. It feels like a natural time for some change, and there's no, there, you have to make sure you get it right, uh, or else there might be even more severe long-term implications. I don't know. We'll see. It's, it, I'm just, I'm just, we're just talking right now, but that's the way. That's the sense I get. It's, this season, you, it's done. It's just like the last few. They're as bad as any team in the NFL right now, and you got to nail this offseason in order to salvage what you have here uh, with the Raiders moving forward. Right now, from a fan standpoint, yes, there's apathy. There, there's no question about sure. it. And we've and we've seen yeah. that same thing with UNLV. You know, over over yeah. the years, you know, because the bottom line, if you're not winning. But here's where the Raiders situation is different. And I've said this, you know, from the beginning in comparison to the Golden Knights, UNLV or anything else. OK, with the Raiders, this is a transplant team there. Are, sure. So 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 people here in Vegas are were never going to embrace the Raiders unless you were that fraction that were that was a diehard Raiders fan. And there are some there's a good amount of those here For in sure. Vegas. But to. When you're dealing with the NFL, the most popular sport, where every person in this city, including yourself, myself, everybody else, they already have their own team that they've been rooting for. And with you, Sam, I don't know. I, I, I'm guessing it's the Vikings, okay, Minnesota, whoever it is. And it's going to, you know, but we're different because we're in the media and we're, we're objective and we're supposed to be and all that sort of thing, right? But for fans, they already have their teams. And it's like, okay, well, I'd like to go check out the stadium. But you know what? If you're a Chiefs fan, there's plenty of Chiefs fans in this town. They're never going to be Raiders fans. Broncos fans, close proximity. They're never going to be Raiders fans. So then those guys are just chomping at the bit for the Raiders to fail. And then you've got, you know, Cowboys fans, Giants fans, Packer fans, or whatever. And then it's like, okay, maybe if this team is going good, maybe I want to go to the stadium and I want to, you know, experience this. And I want to see 65,000 Rockets fans. And maybe the Raiders can be my second favorite team. But when you have an organization that has so many black marks against it, as as we've seen in the past, and not a great reputation, and they're known as kind of the, 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 the bad boys of the NFL, uh, yeah, I, I think once you start losing, you're going to see a bigger disconnect. And it's going to be the same way with the Golden Knights. If the Golden Knights turn in two or three, say, maybe sub-500 seasons, that is the nature of the city because there's so much to do. You're going to see empty seats. We've been seeing empty seats at T-Mobile Arena. You saw it Sunday for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, you know, you, you are seeing two, three, four thousand uh, empty seats at T-Mobile Arena, and you're right for the Cincinnati game or for the Washington game at Allegiant Stadium to see five to seven empty thousand. Not a good sign. No, not at all. And there's one way you you alluded to it, TC. There's one way to endear yourself to this market. You have to win. 
Vegas has shown, for as long as I've been here, they will support winners. You have to win. Losing at home to the Washington football team in a must-win game when you put up 14 points at home or 15 points or whatever the number was, that's not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. That, that performance they had against Cincinnati a couple weeks ago, that, that ain't it. The performance they had on Sunday night football against the Chiefs where they give up, what is it, a billion points in the third and fourth quarters combined after the game was close, that's not going to work. And, and this past Sunday, TC, I mean, again, I think, I think that was totally rock bottom. So uh, it, it just goes to show you, I, I thought just, just given kind of the landscape of the city, the way it was looking, the enthusiasm we saw from afar last year, I thought there would be much more um, kind of much more interest and support. And it's not like there's disinterest. I wouldn't go that far, but it's not what I thought. I mean, you're, you're talking about midway, midway through the first season here where you can have fans. Yep. You can't pack the stadium. You can't pack the stadium, right? Like, it, it, they, they, again, that's why it's so crucial that they get this offseason right with whatever changes they make, whether or not they move on from this coaching staff, which I assume they're going to, whether or not they move on from Mayock, whether or not they choose to move on from the quarterback, um, who, I, again, I believe is a good quarterback that's capable of winning in this league, but it's hard to ask him to endure so many wholesale changes over and over and over and have some semblance of success, right? So it's, it's an imperative. It's a crucial offseason. Uh, I don't want to get too cliche or over the top because it feels like you can say this about every team every offseason. But for this franchise, especially given what they've been through the last three months with everything off the field like you touched on, they have to get this right and they have to figure out a way to, to at least show some signs of, of progress. Because right now there hasn't been any of those except for a couple, a couple wins here and there every season. There hasn't been any signs of sustained progress, like you said, TC, in 20 years. Right, I mean, it's 20 years, so uh, they got a long way to go, and uh, and they were totally, again, to go back to yesterday, they were totally, totally outclassed, and, and it's almost like a microcosm of what the last two decades have been like, you know, where the Chiefs are at, how stable they were, how they went through some adversity earlier in the season where they were losing games, and they were struggling, and their defense was horrible, totally flipped the, flipped the script, and now they're as much of a Super Bowl contender as any other team in the league, so that's who you have to get through, so you see, right, like, that's who you have to get through, look at Justin Herbert, you see Justin Herbert yesterday, you see, you see the Broncos are seven and six. Like it, it just feels like it's an uphill climb in this division. The Broncos are a quarterback away from being a real contender in the AFC West or in the AFC period. No disrespect to Teddy Bridgewater, but you go out and you upgrade at that position. They got receivers. They got a defense. They're they're locked and loaded. So they're they're a quarterback away. It's going to be a fascinating, fascinating offseason. And, and again. I don't want to beat this point to death, but the Raiders have to get it right. I don't know what that looks like, right? None of, none of us do right now because it's a franchise that hasn't got it right in two decades. But you have, to, you have to get it right in some way, shape, or form and start to turn this thing around or else, like you said, there's going to be apathy with a team that just got here, and that would be a total disaster for everybody involved. You got it. Sam Gordon joins us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. We're talking about the Raiders. And I'm not one for uh, you know, advocating for, for people to lose their job, but when you talk about getting it right, and, how, and you mentioned Mike Mayock, how can you not uh, move away from Mike Mayock? I think Mark Davis, you have to because you, when you look at it, this team, the way it's constructed, it, there are so many holes and nothing has changed here. And when you look at the draft choices that they have uh, made, and you know we talk about Henry Ruggs, look at the look at the receivers or look at the other players that were available. Hey, Henry Ruggs, Josh Jacobs, the exact same thing. And you know th- th- there are better players. Uh, in the league that were drafted ahead of them that are having so much better years and better careers. And and you can go through a lot of Mike Mayock's picks. And, no, I, I don't think uh, that the, the Raiders have gotten it right from a draft perspective. And when you're constructing a team, they have to do a better job because this roster just does not look good, and especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and, and Mike Mayock, uh, Mike Mayock, TC is is an extension of John Gruden in a lot of ways, yes. right? Like John Gruden was here first and picked Mike Mayock. Like John Gruden had the had the final say. He was the most powerful person outside of Mark Davis for all intents and purposes within the organization. And and, and him and, and Mayock were a team. So to that point, um, I, I think you're right. Right? I, again, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know what Mark Davis is going to do. Like that's that's up to him. And I'm not. And I'm not. You know, like like you said, I'm not out here calling for for jobs. Like that's not my place. But the results are what they are, right? Like you hit, you hit on a couple of draft picks and not nearly enough. That's how teams, that's how good teams in the NFL are built for the most part is through the draft. That's how you build out your depth. That's how you build out a, I mean, this is a salary cap sport, right? That's how you build out financial flexibility is you got to hit on guys like Hunter Renfro. That's a pick that they hit on, right? Nate Hobbs. There are examples of that. Max Crosby, guys that are productive players, but you're missing on first, second, and third round picks on a regular basis. Like that doesn't work. That does not work, especially in the division you're at with the teams you got to compete with. The 
quarterbacks you have to compete with. Justin Herbert's only getting better. Like Patrick right. Mahomes isn't even hit in his prime yet either. These are guys you have to see a couple times a year moving forward. And and it just yesterday reaffirms. I mean, both games against the Chiefs really reaffirm how far off the Raiders are from being relevant. Uh, in big picture, long term in the AFC. Again, sure, a couple wins in September are going to get people excited. And and you and I even thought you know, hey, this is a team that on paper in terms of the roster and, and who they have with the money they spent and how things looked earlier in the year should be completely competing for a playoff spot throughout the course of the season. That ship has sailed. Um, again, they're really, really far off and, uh, and it's, it's, it's more dysfunction. It's, it's structural uh, dysfunction that I think we're witnessing and it has to get, uh, it has to get fixed sometime soon uh, or else there's just going to be in the same spot, the, the punching bag of the AFC West. Cause yeah. that's what they were yesterday. You know, there's four games left and the schedule doesn't get any easier because right now when you're talking about, you know, Cleveland next week, and then you've got Denver, which is no gimme. And you mentioned the other quarterbacks. Don't sleep on Teddy Bridgewater. This guy has played very well. I don't think a lot of people 100%. thought. I don't think Denver in, uh, people thought that Denver was going to be above five hundred right now. But the Raiders, you know, now on the schedule. And you know, I said it last week. In Denver was six and six. Now they're seven and six. But they don't. They don't face a team with a losing record, and they're going to be basically underdogs. In, in three of these four games, it'll probably be a slight favorite, maybe, uh, depending on what they do next week uh, against the Broncos here in, in two weeks. But you got the Colts, and you got the Browns, and you got the Broncos, and you got the Chargers. Uh, now, they might not win another game, Sam, and then you are going to see major upheaval right now. So, 100%, TC. I'd be, I'd be surprised if they're favored in any of those games. Like you said, maybe against Denver because that game is at home, but they can't win at home. So I don't know. Right. I don't know what to make of that. I mean, all four of the teams that they're playing are right in the thick of the playoff race and are all coming off uh, good performances and, and trying to build on those wins so that they can make the playoffs. And, and, and you're going to get – I mean, the Raiders are going to get all these teams' best shot because of what's at stake. And, again, mathematically, technically, like the Raiders are still in the mix, right? Technically, if they win out. But I, I, I just don't think there's any way that's happening, especially with the schedule they have. And, um, you know, you've got to look to see what you can do better in the future. I mean, this, this is another lost year that had promise, that had potential, and was completely derailed at the same time of the season. It's a similar script each and every year, and I've got to imagine – Longtime Raiders fans are beyond frustrated having to deal with this for the better part of 20 years. You got it. All right, he is Sam Gordon. Sam, uh, tell everyone uh, what you got cooking here uh, in the RJ. Yeah, I'm actually. Um, speaking of that, I'm actually. Uh, I'm going to be out of Raiders practice all week, and then I will be in Cleveland for the the Raiders Browns game. So, uh, making my first road trip um, yeah. to, to cover that game and, and to see what that is. I mean, again, we we just touched on it, but technically speaking, the season is, is still there's still some you know mathematical chance, some hope. So so we'll we'll see uh, we'll see what happens in Cleveland. But I'll be out there. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Before I get out of here, TC, I know we touched on it a little bit Friday. How about Vasily Lomachenko? <laughs> absolute vin- absolute vintage performance. Who wants a piece of him at 135. I don't know if any of those guys do. You got that right. Well, stay tuned, Sam. Uh, while you're working on the gym, turn it on because Timothy Bradley will join us next. And that's what we're going to talk about. Tim was on the call. And Lomo is back, no question about it, brother. So, yeah, great stuff. All right, TC. All right, appreciate bro- you having me. All right, appreciate you, Sam. There you go. When you go to Cleveland, uh, go go ahead and uh, go by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and say hello to Jay-Z or, or Alice Cooper, okay? And uh, take back, uh, t- take, get those Baker Mayfield uh, boots uh, back, back from uh, Alice Cooper, okay? I got you, TC. Will do. Have a great day. Take care. There he is. All right. We come back. Timothy Bradley is going to join us. We talk a little boxing next hour. Matt Holt will join us from U.S. Integrity, of course. We talk about the favorites covering at the sports book yesterday. And then also we're previewing tonight's Monday Night Football game. It's a good one. The Arizona Cardinals hosting the L.A. Rams. The Rams have got hit with COVID. Jalen Ramsey, Tyler Higby. Those two guys are going to be out, one on each side of the ball. One hour down, one more to go. More Raiders talk as well, too. T.C. Martin Show on this Monday.